Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. What a wonderful church. Amen. It's really blessed me to, that, you know, the church initiated to, um, you know, to, to honor those serving the elders and trustees. And that's really commendable. That's, you know, that has the blessing of the Lord. I can, I can guarantee that for you. So, you know, this is totally not, I wasn't initiating this at all. And so it's just so, so wonderful that the church has that heart and conviction to do that. And I want to commend you all for doing that. And, uh, you know, that's why the church has been going on. That's why the church has been remaining strong, even during a difficult time. And surely the Lord is going to add, amen, wonderful things to this church. So, yep, the email is out. Um, and so, you know, one thing I'd really like, you know, this isn't, you don't have to do this, but I would love to hear your story. Um, I love to hear people's testimony of how they came to faith, you know, some of the things the Lord has done in your life. And so, you know, feel free to, to message me. It helped me to get to know you. It helped me to get a feel of what the Lord is doing in your life. And so please message me, uh, uh, email, just giving a, a sort of fairly concise outline of your testimony and a little bit maybe of what you feel in your heart today. And also any, any current testimonies. If something the Lord has really done recently in your life, whether it's a breakthrough in some way, uh, personal revelation, um, answer to prayer, then then please, I'd love to hear about that. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pray about what to do with that. But again, that would really help me as your pastor to get a real sense of what the Lord's doing in his church. Amen. It's his church. It's his thing. He's working. And it's so exciting to be part of that. And I want to thank you on behalf of myself and my family of how you've made us feel welcome. Um, it's, it's been amazing. Again, that is absolutely commendable and a sign of your maturity that you've welcomed us with open hearts and open arms. And we want to thank you. And again, we're looking forward to knowing you uh, over the process of time. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's get to the word. I need to open my app here. There it is. Okay, our text uh, this morning is um, Matthew 11, verse 25 to 30. And just before um, reading the scripture, I'm going to show a couple of pictures. Um, it should be on the, on the slide there. And this is quite a famous uh, passage that we've often heard as believers about yoke of oxen. And Jesus used this. Um, to describe what it means to come to him and be his disciple. Jesus, of course, spent much of his life as a carpenter. We often forget about that, but he spent, you know, probably 15 years as a carpenter. He would no doubt be skilled in making a yoke of oxen. And, and in that skill, they would, they would measure the oxen, and they would, they would create that yoke so it fit comfortably. 
you know, you would have thought that an animal having wood on its back, uh, pulling a heavy or carrying a heavy weight would be painful to it. But with a well-made yoke, it, it causes the animal little discomfort, providing the animal is, is going the direction that you want it to go. And so he uses that analogy in conveying to us what it means to be his disciple. Because this is the heart of God for the world today. He says to his disciples, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and disciple all nations. That's God's heart. He, He doesn't just want people to be converted, although that is the most important but on, upon conversion, he, he longs for a people that would be his disciples. Amen. That will become everything that he has in mind for them to be. Because God has a dream about your life. David in scripture, he, he was overwhelmed on occasion. He said, Lord, it is, it is mind-blowing. That's me paraphrasing that your thoughts toward me are more numerous than the sand of the sea. He said, Lord, it is incredible that you have so much to think about me. And and that's true of every one of us. And it's a thrilling prospect that we would surrender our lives to him and see what the Lord will do through us. And so I encourage you to embrace the yoke of Jesus for your life. Amen. Matthew 11, verse 25 to 30. It says, at that time... Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom... The Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, what wonderful reassuring words that is. Just giving context to that, you know, Jesus, you know, he ministered, of course, to Israel. He never traveled beyond those borders. I know there's some conspiracy around that, but I don't believe he traveled much beyond Israel. And he ministered principally to the Jews. That was his mission. He commissioned disciples to go beyond that, of course, to the Gentiles, which is most of us here. But it was a very religious culture. Far more religious than our culture is here in the UK and many other cultures in the world because they're founded upon the Torah. We know a few hundred years before that, in the time of the Maccabees, there was a revival in, in the word and in adhering to the commandments in the Bible. Because Israel... The tragic history many times they would, when they veered away from God and, and worshipped other, other gods and, and you know, that's when life didn't go too well for them. But you have the time of the Maccabees and though there was oppression, there was a measure of revival because they, they said we need to get back just to what the word says. 
We need to base our lives and our culture upon the word of God. We don't need to adhere or worship other gods. There's only one true God. And, and of course, you've got the Pharisees and the religious generation in the time of Jesus. That only a few hundred years after that. And so they were very strict and strong in the word of God, which is right and good. But they began to misuse the word. And they began to misunderstand what the word was really saying. And, and tragically, for, for many of the Pharisees, they didn't even recognize the word when he's standing before them. But it was a very religious culture. And so the context of Jesus said, come to me, all you labor and heavy laden. He's talking to a people that are trying to please God under the religious system at the time. Because when you're trying to please God in your own strength, it is very laborious. You will be under a heavy weight. You know, sometimes in my Christian life, I have experienced that. And, and oh God, this is because I'm trying in my own strength. You know that things maybe need to be adjusted when you are weary and heavy laden. Because God didn't give the law that we should obey it perfectly and therefore be accepted by God. He gave the law to expose that we are sinners. Because he knew that nobody could live up to the law. And, and the whole thing about man is he's deceived in himself. That we tend to be self-deceived. We think we're better than what we are or we compare ourselves with other people. That's more common. Oh, I'm not like that guy down the road. You know, he's a, he's a drug dealer. Oh, no. I'm not that person at work. They're a gossip. No, I don't, I don't gossip, not much. And we compare, but that's unwise, the scripture says. And so God knows that we're totally bankrupt when it comes to being righteous in our own right. And so it's a heavy burden if you try and do that. And there's much of religion in the world today is just that all, all over. It doesn't matter what religion it is. You got people in the Philippines who literally flagellate themselves. They make whips, thinking that somehow God is pleased that they, I'm so bad, you know, this is going to make God feel happy about me now. Or some even get crucified. They don't unto death, but they literally get crucified. You got the, the, the Hindu, um, you know, gurus who, who basically walk around wearing nothing and, and try and brush the street. Uh, they don't want to sit on a, on, a, on a bug and squish it. You know, it's going to give them disfavor. And they're extremely religious and dedicated. Some will sit down in a posture for, for, for months and years. And they can't walk anymore because all, all their, their muscles are wasted away. And these are incredibly religious. You have our religion, so much religion, but there's, it's just miserable. And the good news for you here today, if you're miserable trying to please God, there's another way. Amen. There's a better way. There's Jesus' way. He says, come to me. He says, if you're heavy laden, you're struggling, just come to me. It's interesting, the, the context before that, because our text, it says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, at what time? Well, we have to look up what happened just before. And just before he says these words, he was berating Chorazin. Bethsaida and Capernaum. He was saying, woe to you. I mean, this is pretty scathing words. And he says, woe to you. If, you know, these miracles are performed, if Sodom and Gomorrah had, had seen that, they would have repented. I mean, these are really strong words. Why was he so strong with them? Because they weren't coming to him. 
because they weren't seeking his way. They said, thanks, Jesus, we're happy to do it our own way. And that's what religion does. We say, I want to have religion in my control the way I want it to be. Oh, I'll obey a few commands. I'll do a few devoted things. Just it's in my terms. And that's at the root, really, of false religion. It's, it's our term righteousness. But Jesus says, no, you can never be righteous that way. It's just going to be heavy. It's going to be a labor to you. And really, it's going to just lead to bigotry and hypocrisy as it did with the, with the Pharisees. And we have the word, he says, but these things have been revealed to babes. We had that before, didn't we? Talking about babes. Jesus said, you must become like little children to enter the kingdom of God. A baby is completely dependent upon its parent. A baby cannot do anything for itself. What can babies do? Well, what they're really good at doing is crying. <laughs> and that's all they do. They, they need feeding. They need something that you don't always understand what they need. You know, how many frustrated parents have you got here? You know, why have they stopped crying? I fed them. I've ch- checked their nappy. I've tried to burp them and they're still crying, you know, because that's all they know to do. They just got to get your attention. And, and, and the scripture says we need to be like that, not literally, you know, <laughs> but in, in, the, in the sense of being dependent. Oh, God, I'm helpless and vulnerable. I cannot do anything by myself. God, I know who I am. God, I need you. That dependence is what God is after from us. See, that has to be voluntary. God cannot make any of us depend on him the way he wants us to. But that's your decision that you make. And and you have to come to the Lord in that attitude of dependence. Say, God, I know I cannot be good in my own right. God, I fail. I cannot trust myself. You know, God is not after, you know, we're not to be like zoo animals, you know. I'll explain that in just a moment. He says, take my yoke. You know, a yoke is a weight, right? The yoke of oxen are used, they, they use it primarily to plow the fields, don't they? They attach a, a plow to that and they pull and commonly, yoke of oxen is two oxen together. And this really is what Jesus is communicating to us. He's speaking about my yoke is, is me yoked together with you. So we're not even carrying this load on our own. He says, I have a yoke for your life. That does mean something. He says, if you follow me, you are prepared to embrace this yoke. There is a, a weight to it. There is a responsibility to it, and there's also a direction to it. A yoke of oxen, they have to work together and go the same direction. In training oxen, it's very common that they have a, a young oxen. They want to you know, discipline that animal to, to learn how to pull a yoke. So they'll put it next to a more mature oxen. And so the mature oxen knows exactly what to do. It's learnt probably the hard way, you know, it pays to go where my master is telling me to go. And stays that stays the course. And the young oxen is just wanting to veer off and do what it wants. But yet it learns from the older oxen. 
Because animals tend to be good at mimicking each other. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying to us. That we're just to follow him. And he says, when we follow him, under that yoke, it's actually going to be easy. It's actually not too heavy. The oxen hurt themselves if they try and go a different direction than the, the, the lead oxen, if you like, because they're chaffing against the, the yoke. If they try and go other way, they're actually they're digging into its, its, its back and actually causing it unnecessary pain. And, and that can be true of us sometimes. We're burdened and we're, sometimes it's simply because we're trying to do it our way. And Jesus says, look, is it working out? No, Lord. Okay. Then can then come back. Let's start over again. And, and God is incredibly merciful with us. How many times in my life have I been frustrated because I've tried to do it my way? It pays to do it his way. But it's a surrender that only you can make, only you can decide. We cannot separate purpose from sonship in the kingdom. You know, I was blessed. I was just talking with Greg before service. I'm blessed in his heart that he has a conviction about we should see everything through sonship. Because if you're a believer in Christ this morning, you are a son of, of the kingdom. Your identity has changed. You're not what the world says about you anymore. The world will push identity onto you. But you are a son in the kingdom. And sonship is linked to purpose. See, God has a distinct plan and will for your life. In fact, Scripture says in Ephesians 2.10, a wonderful scripture, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, this, this scripture still thrills me today. Because what it's saying is that before God created humanity, before you were even came into this world, he already had good works worked out for you. That is incredibly mind-blowing. But so is, is the mind and intellect of God, that we cannot even come close to understanding it. But this is a, a, a reality that God has your name on specific works. He has specific tasks for you to do. And that should thrill you. I mean, to me, that was, when I, when I first began to understand this, this absolutely thrilled me. The prospect. And I, I often relate to the parable of the, the treasure in the field. Because that's exactly what it was for me. I just seemed to come into the kingdom of God as a 19-year-old. Amen. Just, you know, messed up with this world and all the things the world did at that time with teenagers. It was the rave scene. <laughs> And gave my life to Jesus and, and sought and found treasure. And the field to me is like the church. I just came to the, ch- the church. It was quite a small setting. It was in a community center. And I, oh my goodness, I found something so wonderful and precious. I bought the field. I said, what can I do to serve? I said, God, you touched me. This is wonderful. God, I can serve you. I can be privileged that you would use my life. What can I do? 
you know, I was just a brand new convert as well. You know, we had to set up the speakers every, every day, every service. He said, well, there's two monitors, you know, these little square speakers. Why don't you take them home every day and make sure you bring them ahead of time so we can set up the church? And I was blessed. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and I just was so blessed and privileged that I could take these speakers home. Amen. And faithfully bring them every service on time. I was like, you're trusting me to do that? Yeah. And I just felt a blessing, you know, because God is looking for people to carry the yoke. Like I said, we're not zoo animals. You know, God has made you to be you. You know, zoo animals are miserable, aren't they? (laughs) I mean, we were like, well, not we all perhaps, but, you know, it's interesting going to a zoo. But, you know, I always feel a little bit sad. Because you, you look at these animals, you know, you see a tiger in this big, ferocious, beautiful animal. And yet it's just pacing back and forth, back and forth. It's not even doing what tigers normally do. Is it really being a tiger? We felt like animals, you know, when we were in China for the first, early on, we I was speaking to jail the other, last night. And uh, there were all these parakeets, you know, we we're watching these parakeets and they're like really cool to us really colorful red, red birds. And then we, we looked and there was a bunch of Chinese watching us because <laughs> we're foreigners. We're in a place that there weren't many foreigners. And uh, we were the spectacle that day. But we're, we're not zoo animals in the kingdom. We all have to be the same way, you know. We've got to be, you know, just like this. We've got to pray the same way and and, and act the same way. No, God is happy of you being you, but yoked in Christ. Because he wants to use those qualities he knows are in you. We don't always know them until he brings them out. But he wants to use those qualities, those giftings, and enhance it. He'll give you other giftings. He'll give you gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I've got just the thing for you. I've got just the work for you. The church is rather like a, a, the old type ship, you know, the old, back in the Middle Ages, um, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean type of ship. And you want to run a ship like that, you need so many people on board. You know, yes, you need someone to steer it. You need, you need people to, to pull up the sails. You need people up in the, in the, in the, the crow's nest. Is that what they call it? Um, you need the cook. Oh, yes, you need that. You need... You know, hundreds of people on one of these boats, and they're not all working together and fulfilling their role. That ship is not going to be successful in its purpose. And the church is just the same. We are fellows in the same ship. We are a fellowship, if you like. And we are a fellowship of believers, and and God has called you to have a purpose, a role. Some are called to be more evangelical. You'll be more reaching out ministries. And I will encourage you to explore and pray. And I'm absolutely open to working with that. Because God will speak. I'm sure God already has laid things on your heart. See, that's how it begins. It's it's often just a desire. Oh, I really want to reach out. Maybe to old people. I remember there was a season in my life that I just had a real burden for old people. And so we just decided, let's, let's form an impromptu choir. And uh, we'd go into the old people's homes and we'd just sing. And man, it lit up so many of these people. 
they're at the end, towards the end of their life, and we got to pray with many. Many gave their life last minute. Amen. And it's such a blessed ministry. But it's just simply following a desire. Other you, you know, God's given you a heart for the youth, a heart for children. Amen. God's given you a heart for the church, things you can do, giftings to help us work together. See, we are a ship. God has ordained the church to be on a mission. We're to pull in people from the sea of sin and iniquity, from unbelief, and pull them into the ship. We are a lifeboat, if you like. And for that to work, it's us working together, fulfilling the purpose that God has. We're never going to be perfect. But if we work together under the Holy Spirit, he knows what to do. And that's really my role and my heart is Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. And it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. God has ministry for every one of us. Like I said, that varies what it is. That's, that's for you to, to discover. That's for me to work with you in that. But amen, it is the most thrilling thing and it's light and it's easy because it's Jesus' yoke for you. See, discipleship is always linked to a purpose. The first thing Jesus said to Peter is, I will make you fishers of men. He was a fisherman that was familiar and just rejigged that a bit. Said, okay, you're going to use that kind of skill for men. And, and all through Peter's discipleship, he knew where he was going to go. He knew that he would be reaching men. And so God has these works for you. And I challenge, well, first encouraging those where, taking your yoke. We've had leaders, we've commended them. They've been carrying the yoke. See, the kingdom is made of volunteers. People who offer their life to the Lord for his service. And that's what makes it a blessed institution. But we must be willing to embrace the paradox. He says, easy yoke, light burden. You know the, the scripture is full of paradoxes and oxymorons. <laughs> it's, it's pretty normal. Abraham, God chooses him. And he, he chooses him when Abraham's an old dude and his wife is way beyond the age of giving birth to children. And he says, right, okay, I'm going to make a nation out of you, Abraham. Paradox. This is God's style. He always does this. <laughs> he will always challenge you to do something you cannot do in the natural so you trust him. It's through faith. So Abraham, amen, that became a, a blessed purpose in his life. But it was paradoxical. The Sermon on the Mount, one of the very first messages Jesus gave, was all about paradoxes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Doesn't sound blessed, does it? <laughs> but he said, yours is the kingdom. The kingdom's going to rest on those kinds of people. What is poor in spirit? It's people who realize... Oh God, in myself, I cannot. <laughs> like Gideon, you know, threshing wheat, hiding. He didn't feel like a, a great leader at all. And yet God says to him, you mighty man of valor. He's like, <laughs> paradox. Blessed are those who mourn. 
doesn't sound very blessed, does it? Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Was Paul strong? Paul was like, unbelievable. Best example we have in Scripture of what a Christian, a victorious Christian can look like. He was not deterred. Paul, they're going to arrest you, beat you up. Okay, I'm still going. Strong, but in himself, oh, he knew he was weak. But yet, in that paradox, God used him powerfully. Humble to be exalted. Isn't that scripture? The way up is to go down. <laughs> Amen. If you want God's blessing to exalt you, and I tell you, you want God to exalt you, not yourself or not others. You want God to exalt you. The way is to be humble. It's to choose humility. So put yourself down. And God will say, okay, I'm going to lift this one up. That's what David learned. Give, and it'll be running over. Again, it's a paradox. Oh, if I give, I'm going to be without. That's our logical thinking. But God says, if you give, I'll see to it that it's going to be running over in some shape or form in your life. You lose your life to gain life. Amen. Another paradox. You lose what you want to do to serve him. And as you do that, you find this is really good. (laughs) I'm more blessed doing this than trying to please myself. And one of the perhaps greatest ones is labor to rest. (laughs) Labor to rest. I don't get it. Surely... Surely rest is desisting from labor. But scripture says, labor or be diligent to enter his rest. A paradox. It's a bit like the surf. Anyone been surfing here? No? Not really near a coast. Ooh, once, where was that? Cornwall Coast. Awesome. I tried it in uh, Claire's dad's from California. And so we went to visit there. And, uh, you know... I was not a surfing dude at all, but I did boogie boarding. Boogie boarding, you don't stand on it, that's too hard. But it's sort of a half surfboard and you just basically rest your body on it. And then, you know, you try and catch the wave. But that's a bit like the paradox of entering God's rest because these surfers, when they actually ride a wave, it's, it's re- it looks pretty easy. I know it's not, but it looks easy, right? They're not, they haven't got a heart, high heart rate, have they? They're just standing there. They're not, you know, doing lots of physical things. They're just balancing, basically. And it's the wave that's driving them forward. And they look elegant and there's competitions. That's like the rest of God. God will carry you. God will enable you. God will work through you. And there's a rest in that. And it's a glorious rest. It's not because God wants us firstly not to be boasting in ourselves. No flesh shall glory in my presence. Oh, it's because I was so clever, you know, God's used me. No, it's because you're simply available and humble. And he says, right, okay, I can use that one. But, amen, to get the wave, to catch the wave, you've got to, like, paddle a little bit, haven't you? You can't just, you know, expect the wave to, you've got to, like, that's the effort you employ to ride the wave. But once you're on the wave, and so this is what it's like getting into the spirit, because that's the rest of God. Being in the spirit. And so you get in the spirit and sometimes, you know, there's a bit of a contending to be done. The flesh wants to rule the roost. 
But you contend, you break through, and then you're in the Spirit, and then you're in His rest. And then His Spirit will inspire you with the ideas and the inspiration to what to do. And in the doing of that, there is a restfulness about it. And there's a blessing with that. And this is such, this is the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said, those who come to me, I will give them rest. And so it's interesting, Jesus uses two slightly different words for rest in this passage. The first time, is those who come to me, I'll give rest. That literally means to repose. To remain by implication, to refresh. So firstly, those laboring, trying in their own strength to please God, he wants to refresh your soul. Amen. This is why Paul was so zealous for the kingdom, because he, he was a, a Pharisee, as we know, and he, he tried very hard to please God in his own strength. And the moment he experienced grace and God's rest, he was like... So the first thing is God wants to refresh your soul. If you're here this morning and you feel labored, you, you just feel like you're never good enough. You can, Because when you feel like never good enough, you want to feel like I have to do more. It's a natural response. Oh, I've got to do more. I've got to do better. Right? I've got to try harder. That's our natural response when we sense a lack, perhaps even a weakness in our life. Oh, I've got to try harder. But that just leaves them all laboring and a weight you cannot carry. No, come to Jesus. He's already taken the weight. He became our sin on the cross. I mean, he was judged in our place. I mean, he incurred the wrath of God so we never would as we believe in him. And the second place, he says, take my yoke and learn from me. That's what discipleship is. We, a willingness to learn. There's always more to learn. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. So he doesn't like, you know, cast us off. He doesn't say, you stupid, didn't you get it by now? He kind of did that with the disciples bit, but that was before grace, you know. <laughs> no, he's gentle and lowly. He's okay, let's try again. Okay, all right, let's, let's do this again. He's gentle and lowly. In other words, he doesn't give up on you. He doesn't think, you know, the devil wants you to believe that, that you've failed too many times. Oh, just, just quit. There's no point trying. No, he never gives up on you. He says, let's try this over again. Gentle and lowly in heart. He says, look, learn of me. I'll show you how to do this. And you will find rest for your souls. That second word, rest, used in Scripture is a Greek word, anapoosis, which means intermission, implication, recreation. You know, it's, it's a recreation. You know, that's why people go on holidays, isn't it? They, they, they try to do something completely different than the, the, the mundane of their jobs and, and their life. You know, recreational. Surfing. You know, going on a walking holiday. It's not really resting, is it? But the recreation is resting their soul. And this is the kind of rest when we take his yoke. He says, your soul will be at rest if you take my yoke. So you can be busy, if you like, 
but you're rested in your soul. Jesus was never in a rush. He was never um, stressed. The only time he was stressed, of course, when he was praying in the garden because he had to make that decision to go through with the cross. But up until that time, he was busy many times, but he was totally rested in his soul because he was bearing the yoke of God for his life. And there is rest for your soul. In other words, it's enjoyable. Recreation is an enjoyable thing. That's why people do it whether it's playing badminton or whatever, something you enjoy doing, it's, it, it, it's, rec- it's, it's rest for your soul. It gives your soul a pleasant time. And that's what it is to serve God. He wants to serve him with gladness and joy. You know, some Christians like they're, <clears throat> you know, not much of an advertisement. They're like miserable, you know, just serving the Lord, just bearing his yoke, you know. <laughs> Why would I want to be like you, you know? Why would I want to follow Jesus if it's like this really hard thing? And No, it, it's joyful. It's, there's refreshing. There's, there's strength and grace. Amen. And it's inspiring. That the, I want some of that. We need to come, amen, to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. We all have a time, amen, allow the, I mean, the Holy Spirit to minister to us uh, this morning. And so, amen, like the, the, the choir, come, you can just play music in the background quietly, please. And we want to give opportunity to God's spirit, amen. You know, wonderful time of worship this morning. Just so refreshing, so encouraging. You know, the Lord is, is you know, like I felt before, he is so poised over this congregation, and he is pleased. There are many things that he is pleased about, that he, he delights in. And he's looking at our hearts this morning. We're a ship. There's chartered waters that God wants to take us on. Sometimes those waters will be calm. Sometimes those waters will be stormy and turbulent. But that's not because God is disfavoring. It's just the nature of living in the kingdom in this fallen world. But amen, as we work together as a church, it's so powerful. Like Nehemiah, as he went to Jerusalem, they had to rebuild the walls. There's all kinds of like opposition going on then in that whole story. But at the end of the day, the Bible says the walls were restored because it was of God. People had to work together to to repair this part of the wall, that part of the wall, and everyone did their bit. And there was just a grace upon the whole thing. And the walls were restored, and and people just knew, God, that you were involved. And the enemies and all those looking in criticized said, no, this is of God. We are a people of his presence. We're a people that he has called None can come to the Father unless he has been drawn, the scripture says. You are no mistake. You are saved with, on purpose, with purpose. And God has linked you with this church. And God has linked your destiny and your purpose. And I encourage you, maybe you're wrestling and, and struggling. There's frustration. I encourage you to come afresh to Jesus. 
say, Lord, am I, am I wearing your yoke? Am I really going the direction that you have for me? Am I trying to please you in my own strength? Quite often we need to surrender afresh to him. Even Joshua in scripture, we, he's all ready to go. I mean, he's like, yeah, we, we, we can do this. God, you're with us. You've given us the land. Let's do it. And yet the Bible says just before they go into the land, he, an angel of the Lord stands before him with a sword drawn. And like you and I, his immediate response is, are you for us or against us? It's one or the other. We often think like that in black and white terms. But he said, no, it's not like that, Joshua. Didn't say anything other than that. Apart from take your sandals off, <laughs> off your feet. And what did Joshua do? He fell prostrate. And he said, what do you say to your servant? It was a fresh surrender. God is with Israel, but he just wanted to, for Josh in his heart to, to realize, you know what? It's not my thing. We can assume it's God is with us, but he is with us. But we need with us as we surrender to him because he works through us. And maybe God's brought you to a place that he wants that fresh surrender. So God, I want to go your way. Here I am, Lord. My heart is yielded. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.